0: Yeah, the they were we up a little bit. So, God is good. And all the time? All right. I love my church. A church that reminds me God is good all the time, you know? It's easy to forget that sometimes, isn't it, church? It's easy when you see all the things going on in the world, shootings out of control and everything, to go, oh, God, what's going on? What is happening? And the church is here to remind the world that God is good all the time. In spite of the world and its circumstances and the ruler of this world, God is in the business of making things right and we are part of His plan in making things right. I sure appreciated the Pathfinders last Sabbath in The great Pathfinder club that we have, wonderful leadership, great kids. And they always, like we, we like to say, they always bring it on the Sabbath that they lead out. Always great content and just a great message and just well done. So thank you, Pathfinders and Pathfinder leaders, for uh, for blessing us every year uh, with who you are and what you what you have to say. Well, uh, this last Sunday, I got the wonderful uh, experience of going to Disneyland. And uh, yeah, some of you I know are lifers. You know you're you're all about the Magic Kingdom. And uh, we are getting amens already. We haven't even talked about Jesus yet. Wow. I'm in the right place this morning. Um, so yeah, my, my daughter and, and wife were going because there was a friend of hers uh, that's not from the area that she's grown up with that wanted to go to Disneyland for a birthday and they invited Alana and so uh, they were paying for mom and Alana to go to Disneyland for the day, which dad always likes. You know, it's good on the pocketbook. And uh, so then Andrew and I decided to, uh, to go. And so we went later in the day after taking care of some church business in the morning and uh, so we went for like noon on until closing time. We thought this is going to be a good kind of guy's day. We'll, we'll hang out. And so I got to live like a 14-year-old for most of the day. And I paid for it the next day. Um, so I kind of wanted to say, you know, whatever Andrew kind of wants to do, whatever he kind of wants to eat, you know, kind of, I'll try to be sensitive to that. And, uh, you know, at 47 years is a big distance between 14 and 47. Um, you know, I eat a high-fiber diet try to drink lots of water, you know, good things for my body, so usually don't eat things like big pretzels covered in caramel and chocolate and M&M's and, and um, popcorn with all kinds of preservatives on them and extra sodium, you know, and uh, uh, just all kinds of things like that, you know, so power of terror, you know, all the different things that got to know when to take your breath on that ride, you know, or you about passed out at the bottom. Um, some of you are feeling my pain, you know what I'm talking about. So it was all good, and I was feeling really proud of myself, because at 11 o'clock at night when we're driving home, I was the one awake. You know, all three of them were in the car, you know, and I'm cruising, hour and a half drive, I get home, I'm still pumped up, and I had to put on a little ESPN to kind of wind me down and just kind of finally fall asleep, and I thought, man, I'm doing pretty good for 47. You know, and then the next day I wasn't doing so good. <laughs> I was laying down, I was getting dizzy if I stood up too fast. I was I had to like to drink lots of water, you know, and it wasn't good. But one of the things sorry, I was just kind of this is like a support group for the pastors. I uh I one of the things I love about Disneyland I don't like the price, but one of the things I love about Disneyland is is watching children's and a lot of adults too, but a lot of the children's face with just wonder and awe. You know, when they're all waiting for the parade to come and they're all sitting there guarding their seats for like an hour and a half before and they're there and then the parade goes by and you look and the girls are just like, ah, oh, and the kids, whoa, there's, you know, this guy and there's that guy, Buzz Lightyear's and, you know, whatever princess and this and that and they're just like, oh, you know, and you see Pluto out on the street and they're all lining up and it's just magical and the wonder of it all is just so great. I still have wonderful memories of just watching our kids you know, with the wonder. You know, now they're like, ah, oh, they're in a costume. You know, <laughs> whatever. It's like, okay. But I thought about this, you know, that it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth, right? The magic kingdom. And I thought, you know, of course, the pastor hat kicks in, you know. Theologically speaking, you know, the church is supposed to be the happiest place on earth. I mean, it truly is the kingdom on earth. And when God reigns, it's amazing what happens in our lives and in our churches. And, and then I thought, why is it that often in the church we don't seem to have the feelings and expressions like those kids at Disneyland lost in the wonder and the awe of God and what He's done on the cross and what He's doing for us. We just kind of get lost in some of the stuff of our lives and society. And when I was talking to um, our academy a, a few weeks ago at one of the chapels for the high schoolers. I thought, you know, what is it that I want to say? Because it's been a while since I got the honor of talking to a bunch of teenagers at one time, you know? And I thought, God, what do you want me to say? And there were, there were three things that he had me, I felt, impressed me to say. And I'm not going to share those three things with you, but, but one of them I felt strong, strongly impressed to say was in my life, my own personal life, and in my life as a pastor for the past 25 years or so, I said, there's something that I've witnessed that's fairly common among Christians. And this is it. We forget who we are. We forget who we are. We let the society, we let the devil, we let everything around us beat us down and forget that we are children of God saved by grace. We forget. And I was sharing that with him. I go, don't forget. Because you're young and there's already so many things begging for your attention. And some of you may already be forgetting. And I said, but as you get older, you, sometimes you just forget. Sometimes I have to have this conversation with myself and sometimes with others when I'm talking with people or, or my, in my own mind. And you're thinking about all the things that are stressing you out, all the things that might be worrying, all the things. And you have to stop and you literally have to say, don't forget Jesus Christ came. That changed everything. That changed everything. But we lose some of the wonder and and some of the awe, and and we forget. I I was I was appreciating the Pathfinders last Sabbath when they were doing this little light of mine. You know, some of you who were here last week, and they and and they had their arms going, and there was you know, there was this beat in the song, you know, this little light of mine, right? So I'm gonna and and I, you know, I it's fun watching people when we sing that song. It's like, oh, I think I can put it up, you know. They kind of get it shoulder height, you know, and then, well, maybe nobody's looking, so I can move it back and forth, you know. And then the real bold ones are like this, right? I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to let my light shine. But it's funny watching the pathfinders, and and they're up here, and and I think a couple of them, their lights started like fading. And then pretty soon it was like it was like this, and then pretty soon it was like this. And I leaned over to Lisa and I go, "What happens when your light becomes a pointer? <laughs> you know, what happens?" And that's what happens sometimes in the church when we lose the wonder and the awe that we are saved totally by what God has done and not by what we have done. We think we got this truth. It's not about uh, proclaiming the love of God, but now it's like, let me tell you what's wrong with your life. And we've got this light that we need to point out to everybody else's life. And let me tell you, when that happens, we've lost the wonder. We've lost the awe. We've lost the wonderful mystery that God in heaven acted on our behalf. When we weren't even looking for Him, He came looking for us and found us and died for us so that He could make things right with us. And we take that wonderful truth and we belittle it to judge others and to say who's in the church and who's out of the church. When our light becomes a point pointer we've lost the mystery, I love prophecy, don't get me wrong. We had Dr. John Pauline here for two years to talk about revelation. But sometimes we worship prophecy more than Jesus. And we start thinking we have a corner on prophecy, and we start even adding to the prophecies. You know, you've seen some of these things, right? You've gotten some of the emails, you've gotten things on your car, you've gotten whatever. And we start adding things to the prophecy. I thought it was interesting that you know I get these emails, all these predictions, and here's exactly when Jesus is going to come back, and here's all of this, and there were some going around that that the Pope that's resigning was going to be our last Pope. That like that was this is the Pope that Jesus is going to come back. Well, when he decided to resign, that threw them all for a curve. What do we do now? We've published all these things, you know. And now it's kind of interesting watching them say, well, uh, you know, and. So I decided I am going to write an article called, Who Moved My Pope? So when we get focused on things besides Jesus, when we get focused on things besides Jesus, we become very interesting and not very loving. We lose the wonder, we lose the mystery of it all. Let me tell you, one person who, could, who we could say it was okay for him to lose it would be Paul. Because here he is in prison. When he wrote the book of Ephesians, he was in prison chained to a guard constantly. And here's a preacher, an ambassador of the freedom of God, who is stuck in a prison chained to a Roman guard. Now, there's somebody who could have gotten like this. But he didn't. He didn't. Prison and chains did not stop him from losing the wonder and the mystery and the awe of who God is and what he's doing in the world and what he was doing in his life. Today, we are looking at Ephesians chapter 6. Our last message in the sermon and series on Ephesians. Living God's Dream. And we're going to look at verses 10 through 20 today. And here is a passage that some of us may be very familiar with. I always loved it as a kid, and I still love it today. And Paul writes these incredible words, not on his own, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, while he's sitting in prison, chained, bound to a Roman guard, he writes, and he says these words, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the Gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Finally, Paul says. This is it. Finally. Now remember, he's not talking to individuals. He's talking to the church. He's talking to us. You. The is understood. Finally. Be strong. Be strong. Now, I want to unpack this be strong a little bit before we get into the rest of the passage. He says, be strong. He's not saying, like, sometimes I hear the kids saying in sports, you know, suck it up, cupcake. Right? Paul isn't saying suck it up, cupcake. He's not saying, man. Or he's not saying, as I've heard, uh, I've heard one family say, and I like this, they'll say, buck up. Right? (laughs) Buck up. He's not telling us to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps. And be tough, Because the next word is critical to being strong. Be strong in. In. Don't let this word go by. Be strong in what? In who, I can say? In the Lord. Don't be strong in yourself. Don't be strong in your own will. Be strong in the Lord. And in His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our own personal strength or charisma or smarts or anything else. It's in the Lord. And it's in His might, in the strength of His might. In fact, I kind of like the little nuance that the original language brings out when it talks about His mighty power. The Greek brings out to be strong. In the sway of His ability, in the sway of God's ability, stand in the sway of God's ability to work in your life. Swaying with God, I love that that image. You know, I love. Last week we had the Pathfinders, and they were talking about the Trinity. And one of the paintings they had of God was of the Holy Spirit, and it was beautiful. It was just it was these broad strokes and these colors, and it was. It wasn't something you just put your finger on, but it was God's movement. You could see sort of a flame in there and and God's sway among human history. Stand in the sway of God's ability to reign over your life. Live in that. stand in it. Be strong in it. Paul's trying to get a point across here, if you haven't noticed. He uses a form of a verb four times. He says, stand stand, he says, your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand. Do you think he's trying to get a point across? What he wants to do? Stand. He doesn't say run. He doesn't say jog. He doesn't say get out of here. Stand. Some of us are running ourselves to death. And God is telling us today, if you hear nothing else, hear this, God says, Stand there. But don't just stand there. Stand in me. Stand in the strength of my might. Stand in me. Paul, all through the book of seasons, is saying this whole life is about being in Christ. Not with Christ. In Christ. And Christ in us. If I was talking to somebody at the Denny's over here across the street, and we were talking, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is John, and I have Christ living in me. All right, call the psych word right? You mean that Jesus that walked the face of the earth 2,000 years ago? Yeah, yeah, he lives in me. Doesn't that sound weird? That's the gospel. That's the gospel that Jesus came so that he could live in us. He himself said, I want to live in you, and you will live in me, just like the Father lives in me, and I live in the Father. We will be one. We stand in Christ in Christ in us. We don't just stand. But Christ wants us to stand. You see, the image that scholars think Paul is is bringing up here is is that when you have a city, you usually want to build it on a hill so that when your enemy attacks, they have to climb up to get you. And so this image is of us, God's people on the hill, and the enemy is coming to attack so you stand there and you hold your ground because you are in Christ and the enemy will not prevail. You see, Paul goes on, and he says, we're in this warfare, we're in this wrestling match, this, this struggle. The, the Greek really tries to emphasize wrestling. We're in a wrestling match. Now, I don't know if you've ever wrestled much. <laughs> Apparently, the Olympic Committee doesn't think wrestling's important anymore for the, for the gamers. But he says, we're in a wrestling match. It's not some far-distant battle. In wrestling match, you are grappling and you are swaying and you are swinging and your goal is to get your pin- opponent down onto the floor and pin it down. Paul says we're in a, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Church, do not forget that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our society often downsizes the devil. You know, we dress him up in a cute little red outfit with little horns. And then pretty soon we start to begin to think that he doesn't even exist. We know he exists, doesn't he? You've all all wrestled with him. We've all wrestled with him at times. And some of us are wrestling in pretty severe ways now, in, in different ways. He is real. But you see... I'm glad that Paul used the word devil and not Satan in this passage. Satan means accuser. The word devil means traitor. Now we all know when the devil whispers in our ear and he says, oh, don't worry, you won't get caught. Don't worry, it'll feel great and it'll just get better. And then you reap what you sow and you find out he was the traitor. You find out that he was lying to you just like he did in the Garden of Eden. He was lying, saying, Nah, no, don't listen to God. He doesn't really know how to live life. He's a traitor. He will sell you out every single time. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. This year Easter, we're going to be doing what we've done for the last couple of years, uh, Once Upon an Eternity. And uh, a couple of years ago, it was the first time we did it, and there's a part in the play where I come out, if you haven't seen it before, I come out and I sing a song called Come See by Michael W. Smith. And the first time I did this, when we rehearsed it and when we performed it, I was very focused. Because I had to memorize the words, and I'd want to make sure—you know—you only get one shot. You don't want to forget the words, and so I'm very focused. You stand here, and you know I did what my boss told me to do, collect. You know when collect tells you to something, you do it, right? Otherwise, why wow, you're gone, right? Wee <laughs> wee. <Oui, oui. laughs> okay, she's for those of you who don't know. So she says you come out and you stand right here, and you look out and you sing. So that's what I did little did I know, until I watched the DVD. So it was my family at home watching the DVD. I want to see what it's like to not, you know, do part, but to watch. And I noticed all these angels behind me. And I said to my family, I go, were they there the whole time I was singing? Yeah, they're right there. Can't you see them? I said, yeah. I go, I had no idea that I had all these angels right behind me when I was singing that song. And so the second year, I came out to rehearse and I go, right, they're all there. (laughs) I see them this time. We forget. We have angels behind us all the time. All the time. We go about our day feeling alone. We go about our day feeling alone at work. We go about our day feeling sometimes alone at home. Sometimes feeling alone in the struggle. You are not alone. We fight a spiritual warfare and God has provided everything for the battle and for the rest of it. You have angels all around you. They have your back. And you're in Christ. God is so, so good. Jesus said, the ruler of this world will be cast out. The ruler of this world is judged. And I love what Jesus said in John 14, 30. He has no claim on me. Let me translate that. If you're in Christ this morning, just say Amen. And the ruler of this world has no claim on you. No claim on the church. Because the church are people who are in Christ. And the ruler of this world has no claim on you. He has no claim on me. Because he has no claim on Christ. You see, let me make this very clear. Satan does not care in the least bit if we know or have the right answer. He only is concerned and scared to death if we surrender to it. Because once we surrender to Jesus and we let him reign inside of us, he is lost. And there is no power. But as long as we keep our our confidence in the information and having the right answers, instead of knowing personally the answer, Satan has a field day but we can in confidence stand in Christ. I want to show you, I want to talk a little bit about the armor. I want to show you the picture. This is uh, this is actually an Ephesus, and a monument in Ephesus of a Roman soldier. And so Paul had this image in mind when he was talking about the armor of God. And in the armor of God, Paul said, put on the belt of what? Truth. Put on the belt of truth. Now this truth is not information. This truth is who? Jesus. Jesus gave us the answer. He said, I am the way, the what, and the life. Put on the belt of Jesus. Don't just use the name. Put on Jesus. He is the one who holds it all together. See, if we don't have the belt, and you're in battle, and you've got a sword and you got a shield, and your pants are falling down, you can't fight very well. You, can't even, you can stand there, but you ain't going to be any good, right? Because you're trying to... Jesus holds it all together. And not knowing about Jesus, but knowing Jesus. See, remember, I need to remind you of the story. Uh, Acts 19, if you're looking for something to do on Sabbath afternoon, read Acts 19. And there Paul goes to Ephesus, and there's all kinds of interesting things that happen. But it, if you remember part of the story, Paul with the disciples were in a lecture hall for two years, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And some of the people that were getting upset because people were getting converted. So businesses, the economy was going bad because all these people who made all the idols that people worshipped weren't selling as many idols anymore. And then there was this traveling Jewish exorcist group that would go around casting out demons and they found out, they heard about this name of Jesus. And so they went, these seven sons of Sheba, the Bible says, they went out and they decided to use the name of Jesus in casting out these demons. Well, the person that was being possessed said to them, um, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And if you remember the story, let me just say it this way. they got a whooping. <laughs> in fact, the real translation was, they ran out of the house naked. That, my friends, is a whooping. And that's what happens when you try to use the name of Jesus without being in Jesus. They weren't in Jesus, but they were trying to profit from Jesus and trying to gain things by the name of Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. But later on, because there was so much sorcery and so much witchcraft and so much idol worship, the gospel was proclaimed and people came and they brought all of their books of witchcraft and all kinds of things and they burned them. you know how much this is going to here? 55,000 days of wages worth were, were burned. They had a lot of them. And so Paul, in writing to Ephesus, he's reminding them they were familiar with spiritual warfare. They knew of these things. But he says, put on the belt of truth. Put on Jesus first of all. Know Jesus. Have a relationship with Him. I am so sad that more event passed away. I praise God that His message is eternal. And what he had to say and what many of us heard and the thing that he always said that I appreciated as someone who was in college listening to him and in early ministry years was just Jesus, 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 Jesus. And when he talked about righteousness by faith, he said this: the only way to seek righteousness is to seek Jesus. Because then, it's like the vine and the branches. The fruit happens. The righteousness happens. And so Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You see, the very thing that guards our heart that keeps us alive, make sure you put on the righteousness of Christ because Satan cannot argue against the righteousness of Christ. Oh, spirit, sure, you can point out my fault. You can point out your faults. You can say, you blew it, John. You blew it there. Absolutely. But thank God I'm saved by the righteousness of Christ. So Satan, go ahead and accuse because that's what you do 24-7. But I stand in Christ so my heart is protected. And if Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Remember, Are we running in this passage? We're standing. So put on the shoes that keep you standing firm. It's knowing that you are right with God. When you have peace with God, as Romans 5 says, you have peace with God, then you have the peace of God. Because as long as you're right with God and you know that you're right with God and you have peace with Him, you can stand firm. You can stand strong. You don't have to worry. You don't have to run and try to get peace somewhere else. You can stand there, no matter how hard you're being attacked, and say, "I am right with God because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, and I can stand in the gospel of peace." And then, I love this one: the shield of faith. Take on the shield of faith, so that you can you can extinguish all the fiery arrows of the devil. You see. In biblical times, they used to take arrows and they would dip them in tars and light them on fire and then they would shoot them at you. So you didn't just get shot with an arrow. You got shot with a, a flamey arrow. And so what they used to do is they would make these shields and they would wrap them in leather and they would soak them in water so that when the fiery arrows came, they were extinguished. Nothing happened. And that's what our faith in Jesus is like. Our faith in Jesus is like having that leather shield that's been soaked in water that when Satan Fires at us, the Bible says what? That you will be able to extinguish 75% of the arrows. Is that what it says? How many? All. All of the arrows. All of the flaming arrows. When you take the shield of faith. And faith, my friends, just simply is trusting that God is good all the time. In spite of my sins, God is good all the time. Remember the passage uh, in Luke, I forget the exact chapter, when Jesus said to Satan, I saw that Jesus said to Peter, I don't want to get those Peter, Satan has prayed to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed that your faith would not fail. Well, in my book, Peter did fail. He denied Jesus three times. I would consider that a failure in my book if I did that. But Jesus knew that he would make a mistake. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was hoping his faith in Jesus and in the goodness of God would not fail. Because Jesus said right after that, He said, But when you return, encourage your brothers. He knew he was going to die, and He told him he was going to deny him. But he said, Peter, don't let that stop you and trust in my goodness. Because faith in me is greater than your failures. Keep trusting me. I am there to always forgive. That's why I went to the cross. Before you could even ask forgiveness, I was moving towards forgiving you and loving you. Pick up the shield of faith. Some of us need to do like Hebrews 12, says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. The Greek word for fix your eyes on Jesus actually means look away from other things that are distracting you and look at Jesus. See, faith also means looking away from things. So I can look at the right things. Saying no to many things is saying yes to other many things. Take the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Let me say, church, never go outside without your helmet on. The brain is a powerful thing. And to allow us to know, that, that to let the Holy Spirit marinate in us, you are saved by grace, not by works. Salvation, it's all God's doing. Making things right with us. Reconciling us with Himself. If we can get that in our heads. Because we all have tapes. We all have tapes from our younger years. And But if I do this one thing, if I do this one thing, I might not make it into heaven. Let me tell you, we're not waiting to get into heaven. If we're in Christ, heaven begins now. Jesus described it in John 17 as knowing the Father is eternal life. Knowing God is eternal life. Because heaven is the place where God reigns perfectly. No one, and in no way is God's reign changed. What God wills happens perfectly in heaven. Heaven can begin now if I choose, by the grace of God, to let Him reign over my life. Let Him reign over me. Now because of my sin, it doesn't happen perfectly but by God's grace there's more of Him and less of me. The helmet of salvation. And finally, one offensive weapon, the sword of faith. The sword of the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. God's Word. This is the only thing we have to offensively combat the devil. And Jesus shows how to use the sword. Get thee behind me, Satan. You have nothing on me. Get thee behind me. I don't need to worship you. I don't need to trust in you sustaining my life. Even if I'm physically hungry, my God will take care of me. My God will lead me. My God will not forsake I loved little James singing this morning. Wasn't that great? I don't know if you saw it, but when he was singing those parts, of were request and he was doing this, he was standing. He was not going to be budging. He was standing. He was singing out. I was, I was thinking, I'm a Lakers fan, so I, I was thinking, Big Game James right there. He was singing. He was singing right there, and he was blessing us in the spirit. That little six-year-old body was singing out with everything that he had. And God has given us His word, but church, let me tell you, this word doesn't do us it. a hill of beans on the counter. It only impacts when we sit in it and we contemplate and we meditate on it. So we can know we can know all the answers, but not know the answer. We can know all the information but we've got to sit in it and we've got to be still with God in it. Because then when this, when we get attacked, we don't have to go, where's my Bible? We go, mm, greater is He who is in me than he is in the world. Saved by grace. Not by work, Satan. Saved by grace. And then Paul says, simply, pray. Pray. Pray 20% of your day is what he says. Please don't believe that. He says, "What? Pray at all times. Pray always. Let me tell you, church. It's okay to pray with your eyes open. Okay. We don't have to pray with our eyes closed all the Sometimes we need to close our eyes so we can focus a little bit, especially in this world. But we need to pray with our eyes open sometimes. When you're driving, pray with your eyes open. Don't don't drive by faith. Okay. I don't want to, that's one area you know." God will let you keep your eyes open and pray. And just talk to Him. Just imagine He's sitting right there in the seat next to you and just talk to Him. And share all your feelings with Him. What you're mad about. What you're sad about. What you're glad about. What you're afraid of. What you're hurt about. He can take it all. And just be with Him. Talk with Him when you're at work. Talk with Him when you're at home. Talk with Him when you're going to sleep. Talk with Him at all times.
1: When you're on the Internet,
0: talk with Him. There's obviously not a lot of people talking to Jesus on the Internet. When you're watching TV, talk with Him. When you're talking to your children or your spouse, talk with Him. All the time. Pray at all times. I want to put up a slide of all the armor of God because when you look at the list, is there any question that we are victorious? The truth, Jesus, His righteousness in our lives the good news that we have peace with God. That He has given us by grace, faith, this ability to trust Him and to give our lives to Him. That we are saved by grace through all the actions that He has done and that He speaks to us. Even in the 21st century, through His Word and in our hearts and our minds, and He's given us this wonderful conversation to have with Him called prayer. No wonder Satan cannot win. No wonder Satan does not have a choice. Deceit comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life. And have it abundantly. So stand. Stand in Christ. Stand in Him. But church, I need to say something just before I wrap it up here. Oh, we are a busy people. We are a busy society and we find it hard to stand still. And some of us this morning need to hear the word, be still and know that I'm God. Stop trying to fight the battle on your own. Stop trying to fight it because you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It looks like flesh and blood, but you wrestle against principalities and powers and authorities that you cannot handle. But in Christ, you can. So stand, be still, and know that I'm God. I love the message translation that says it this way, step out of the traffic, Get a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics and above everything. Be still and know that I'm God. When Andrew and Alana were about seven or eight years old, we were at the dinner table. It was kind of a late night, and uh, and I was watching the clock, you know? Everybody in my family knows I'm the clock watcher. That's not a popular task, you know? Three minutes, you're leaving for school. You know, come on, you got to get this done, come on. So it was an evening, a weeknight, and we're all sitting around the table eating dinner. It was kind of late. And immediately my, my clock, you know, garter of the clock, kicked in. And I said, all right, guys, come on, we got to move. You guys got to get upstairs. You got to shower. You got to get your jammies on, brush your teeth. You got to sing and pray. Get to bed. And I'll never forget what Andrew said. These wise words. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow it down, cowboy. <laughs> Now, I don't remember ever saying that. It must have been his mother. But I just laughed and I laughed. But the Holy Spirit was speaking to me saying, Whoa, 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 slow it down. (laughs) cowboy." And some of us, if all you hear today is the Spirit saying, Whoa, 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 slow it down. That would be a miracle in itself. Stand. Be still and know that I'm God. Stop trying to fight these battles on your own. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Stand. Stand in the armor of God. Stand in what God has done for you because Satan has no hold on Christ and he has no hold on us. And this, my church family, is God's dream for us. That we would live in Christ intimately, in a powerful way that goes beyond the power of our own lives in a way in which we experience this life-transforming grace in which Satan, the devil, the traitor, does not rule or reign, but God reigns in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess You are so good. And we thank You, Lord, that You have not left us or called us to fight this battle on our own that you showed us the type of God that you are, that you came to this earth. You fought the devil. And on that cross, you said, it is finished. And that even wasn't good enough. You rose from the tomb three days later. That one of the things we fear the most in this life, death couldn't even conquer you. And so, Lord, now with you and us and us and you, death doesn't even have a hold on us. And so, Lord, the things that we're facing today and this week and the things that we're afraid of, the things that we're wrestling with, Lord, please help us just to stand in the confidence of what You've done and what You are doing. May we not try to set limitations on You, but may we allow ourselves to live in the sway of Your abilities in our life and in this world. And no matter how dark it looks, no matter how bad it looks, we know that You are seeing us through to the end because You are good all the time. Take a moment now in silent prayer to just stand in Jesus and be still and know that He is God. as we go, I encourage you, as you go into this week, don't don't run. Don't run out of fear. Stand. Stand in Christ. For the enemy has nothing on us. God bless you.